How many of you want great relationships? Raise your hand. You know, in your marriage or your relationship, you know, your romantic relationships, friendships at work, school, wherever. We, we want good relationships, don't we? I mean, we don't want to have bad relationships. If you've missed any of the previous three sermons, please go back and, and listen to uh, those that you missed, the, the podcast. One of them, we had so many requests for, uh, and we actually had a glitch, a, techni- a technical uh, difficulty that week, and we did not get it recorded, but we had so many people asking for it, I actually went back and just re-recorded it. Uh, myself, j- j- just, just me alone there, and Dave, uh, Dave offered to sit in the background and amen me every once in a while, so you, you know, it sounded like, but uh, we just went and did that because there was such important content that was there. So make sure if you didn't miss any of these and you want a great relationship, like you just raised your hand, you want great relationships in your life, go back and listen to the ones that you missed. And if you will listen to these four messages, that won't be enough. See, that's what a lot of people think. I go to church and I listen to the message and everything ought to work out. No. The message that you come for, this is so important, us being here today and hearing, but now, now we have to take this that is put in our hands and we got to go do something with it. We've actually got to make the relationship better. We've got to do, you know, the things that, not that pastor has said, but the things that the Holy Spirit is just speaking during these times. What you're hearing in your spirit and your heart, you know, that's, you know, sometimes, you know, y'all talk about me stepping on your toes. That's not me. You know, that's not me because there are people sitting right next to you with the same problems. They, did, they didn't feel anything on their toes. It's the Holy Spirit that's just jumping. He's just digging into you. And when he's doing that, you need to be listening to that. And then you've got to go do something with it. You got to do something with it. You can't just listen to the man. This is just the beginnings of it, okay? So you want great relationships. So let's wrap this up. We're going to talk about it, three, diff- three relationships as briefly as I can because I got a ton of stuff to give you. So this morning, there is a ton of stuff on the Sunday's page. And so what you also need to do is if you really want great relationships, you need to go to the Sunday's page this week and you need to read. There, there, are, there are articles that are there that every parent needs to read uh, this week. There are, there are scriptures there that I do not have time to read to you. And, and I'm going to give you several list today and I don't have time to preach about every item on that list, but they are all there. You need to go and you need to study this. If you want great relationships, you raise your hand. If you're serious about that and you just weren't raising your hand because you're afraid I was watching you, you're serious about that, then go to the Sunday's page this week and read all of this. Okay. Here's where I want to begin. First, I want to begin with friends. Okay. Friend relationships because uh, friend relationships, we don't think a lot about those. Well, that's why that's why they're, they're such a mess today. Friend relationships are a mess. And, and, and here's some things I want to share with you. Here are the things that destroy friendships. And we know this, but it needs to be said. How, how many times have I said that in this particular sermon series? You know, we already know a lot of this stuff, but it needs to be said. I'm going to walk, you don't have to be reading them ahead of me. We're going to read them together here right now, okay? But I see some of you already reading, and that's fine. Things that destroy friendships. One-sided conversations and compromises. Hey, listen, a one-sided compromise is not a compromise, okay? But that's the way some compromises end up being. Or in other words, selfishness, manipulation, possessiveness, jealousy, negativity, and drama. Those all fit under that. And if you, know, if you have that in a relationship, it will destroy the relationship. If you're in a relationship, a friendship, I'm not even talking about marriage and that kind of thing. If you're just in a friendship that has that stuff in it, you, it is doomed right now unless something changes, okay? And, and if you're the one that keeps bringing this in, then get it out or you're going to lose that friendship. Uh, another thing that destroys friendship is experience. 
expecting more than someone is able to do or give. You know, if I had broken my leg yesterday, didn't happen. I made it another day. You know, if I'd broken my leg yesterday, you would not get mad at me if I didn't show up to play basketball with you guys this afternoon, right? You wouldn't be mad at me. But, you know, we get mad at other people in our lives because they can't, they don't do what they cannot do. We need to, we need to look and see what it is they're doing. If, if you expect more than someone is able to give, then then you're going to destroy the relationship. On the flip side of that, though, is being unreliable. Okay, the fact that I said, if you expect too much, you're going to destroy the relationship, that does not give the rest of you, you know, a carte blanche or, or give you permission to ignore people in your life. If you're unreliable, if you don't return texts, if you don't answer the phone call, if you don't show up for the birthday party that you said you were going to show up for, you know, if you show up for the party and you promised you would do something, you didn't do it. If you're not there, if you are not there, you're not reliable, you are the one that's going to destroy the, friend, destroy the friendship. You have to be reliable. Uh, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will destroy friendship maybe quicker than anything else. We will all, and I'm going to say some positive things here in just a moment, and some of this will refer back to this, is there will be tough times in friendships and there will be times that friends hurt one another but if you don't learn to forgive if you don't learn to forgive you are never going to have a lifelong friend ever because because they're mark it down people are going to hurt you okay if you didn't know that that's just the way it is and if you've been hurt you need to learn you need to ask God you know God, the grace that you gave me, that you forgave me for all the stuff I've done against you, help me have the same grace for everybody else. Because if you don't, you are dooming every friendship, marriage, romantic relationship, every, every relationship you've got for the rest of your life, you are dooming it because you don't have forgiveness. Breaking confidences. You know, I, I heard a long, long time ago, he who gossips to you will gossip of you. So you know what I learned? I learned that if somebody is got, wants to gossip to me, I normally try to cut it off, first of all. You know, especially if somebody wants to talk to me about somebody else in the church. You know, well, have you talked to them about this? Let's go, let's give them a call and let's, let's sit down together. You know what? Most of the time when I say something like that, let's sit down, all three of us together. They say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know why? Because they're really not upset that way. They just want to gossip about it. And so if you're a person that likes to just gossip, you know, I am going to limit the amount of information that I give you pretty much to zero if I know you're a gossip, right? And you would be wise to do the same thing for those gossips that are in your life. And lending money. Uh, lending money will destroy a friendship. Now, this is not direction that you've got to do this. This is not commandment from pastor. This is just some good advice, okay? Is it would be a lot better to gift it. If your friend asks you to borrow $50, it would be a lot better to just gift it, okay? Because if you give it to them and they forget to give it back to you, they forget that they borrowed it, or maybe they wrote a check and they stuck it somewhere and it got lost and they thought you got the check and they don't do a good job of reconciling their bank account so they don't know that it, cleared the, it didn't clear the bank. You know, so they think all these time that they've paid you and you're getting mad because they hadn't paid you back and they never even mentioned it. And, and, and you know, and, and so they're, they're wondering, they're, it's just better to gift it, okay? So, but let me say this about it because I know a lot of you say, well, I can't give money away like that. If you can't afford to give it, you can't afford to lend it either, okay? That, that's, that is some good advice right there, all right? So lending money can destroy a friendship pretty quick. But let's look at some positive things, okay? Let's look at what real friends do. I, wanted, I had to throw some of those negatives out, but let's look at what, some, what real friends do. First of all, they are loyal. 
They protect one another. And, and, and you know, when you've got a friend that is protecting you, it is not because you're right or you're perfect. Now, you, you, need, to, you need to understand this. If your friend protects you, it's not because they necessarily agree with your stance. It's because they're your friend. You know, and so when someone is defending their friend, protecting their friend, and being loyal to their friend, understand they may not be, they may not be telling you you're wrong. They may be saying, no, this is my friend, and we're all wrong time to time, but my friend just needs somebody to stand by them during this time. Because what we want to do, you know, is we, we want to draw up sides, you know, and we, we want to fight this thing out to the very end. And we want to, you know, we want to take uh, captives, and we want to do everything we can to win and make sure everybody knows we're right. If you got to be right, you're not going to have a lot of friends either. You know, that should have been on that first page. Okay. But friends are loyal to one another, not because we're perfect, but because we know we're imperfect and everybody needs a loyal friend. Real friends have trust and display honesty. Now those two things go together. If you want your friend to be honest with you, then you got to trust. I mean, honesty requires trust and trust demands honesty. I cannot trust you if you aren't being honest with me, you know, if you always tell me what I want to hear, then, you know, I can't, I can't ask you, do, do, do these jeans look good on me? You know, I can't ask you that question. I can, do you like my red shirt? I mean, if you're always telling me everything I want to hear, you know, is this, is this, is this shirt just about right? Or, you know, I, I can't ask you that question because you're not going to tell, I, I actually want people who will tell me the truth. Now, let me tell you something about pastor here, okay? When you ask me a question, if you ask me, I assume you want the truth. So if you don't want the truth, don't ask me, okay? That's, that's just a flaw I've got. I just believe if somebody asks me the question, they want the truth, so I gotta give it. Real friends do that. Real friends have trust and honesty in their relationship. They grow during trouble. They weather storms. Okay, that's what I was saying. Just a, I was talking about that just a few moments ago. You're gonna have problems. You're going to have problems, but if you don't learn to forgive, you're going to destroy every, every relationship, not just friendship, every relationship you have in your life. Real friends learn how to weather the storms. They learn how to forgive or they learn how to forget it and just go on. Uh, we guys, most of us guys, we're, we're more the kind of just forget it and go on. And the ladies are more let's talk it out and get it all forgiven and under the blood and all that kind of stuff, right? Whatever works for you, it doesn't matter. If you want real friendships, you're going to have to learn to weather storms. Real friends are present. I got a good quote that's on the Sunday's page. I don't have time to read to you, so I, I, I had to get it off this page. I just don't have time to go through all this. Real friends are present. Real friends, they're there. They show up. And, and I don't mean just at the stuff. They're just there. If you call them, they're there. So yeah, answer your phone and all of that. They listen. They pay attention to one another. You know, we've all got that friend, you know, that's always having to one-up us. You know what I'm talking about? That when you had an accident, halfway through your story of your accident, they're telling everybody about their story and how it was worse than your accident, and they were in the hospital a lot longer than you were, and they had more surgeons and all that, than, and they always got... That's not a real friend. Real friends don't do that kind of thing. Real friends, you know, when you're trying to tell everybody about how you met the mayor, they're interrupting you to tell you, tell you about how they met Jennifer Lawrence or Chris Pratt, you know, you know and, and one of you. And, uh, uh, let me give you one more example. For those of you who don't know who Jennifer Lawrence or Chris Pratt is, you know, it's your friend that tells you their aches and pains are worse than your aches and pains, okay? If you don't know, you know, if you're not young enough to know Jennifer Lawrence or Chris Pratt, you know, think about the aches and pains kind of thing, okay? Like, I'm, I'm kind of in that middle place right there. I know them, but I'm getting to that place of aches and pains, right? And we've all got those. Real friends don't do that. Real friends listen. 
Real friends encourage each other. They don't climb over in the pit with their friend that is hurting and say, oh, well, let's just die here together. They don't do that. Real friends don't. Real friends say, I got to get my friend out of here. My friend's got a life to live. My friend has got a future. I, you know, we might climb down in the pit with them, but it's not to get down there and to pity them. Real friends sympathize and empathize, but they don't pity. They draw you out. You got a friend that always just, it just loves to mourn with you, but they don't know how to lift you up. They're not much of a friend. You, we need to be encouraging one another. Real friends follow through. When they say they're going to do something, they do it. And they don't eventually get around to it when they promise you they're going to do it at this time, they do it at this time. Hey, you want to lose all your friends? Let me tell you how to do it. Be totally unreliable, like on that first page. Okay, but real friends don't do that. Real friends follow through. Real friends will be there. Real friends value one another. They don't just value the relationship. You know, that's what a lot of people do. They just don't want to lose a friend, right? And it's about the friendship. And, and, and they do everything they can to have a friend. But real friends don't value the friendship. They value the friend. They're not trying to save the friendship. They're trying to save the friend. And sometimes, even when it gets rough, and I have to tell you something you don't want to do, I, yeah, I'm putting the friendship at risk, but it's, I'm trying to save the friend. And the friend is more important than the friendship. Does that make sense? All of that? So, 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 so here's all this. And, you know, and, and again, I, I, can I just be honest with you? Even last night, laying in bed, Dave and I watched the Beach Boys movie late last night. I've been singing California Girls all morning. I just can't get it out of my head. Well, we watched that. And then after we turned it off, I'm laying there again. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this sermon. And I'm thinking, and I'm just saying, God, do I really need to spend all this time? And I, 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 I actually thought about deleting that first page. I said, God, God, you know, I could spend a lot more time on this next thing. And, and I really just felt so strongly impressed that I believe, it, I believe it was God speaking to me at that point. And he said, they need to hear this because friendships are important to me. You see, and I looked in the NIV, the word friend, friends, friendly, friendship, whatever, all of those, it's in the Bible like 170, I think 173 times. 173 times. Friends are important to God. Friendships are important to God. Being friendly is important to God. And, 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 and if our friendships are not, it's because we're not spending enough time to think about what it really means to be a true friend. And if you've got one-sided friendships, quit wasting all your time on that one and put it in a friendship that is a real one. Keep, keep connected with that one. You know, it's just like Facebook. You know what, face, Facebook, that, those aren't really friends. You know, instead of being said they friended you, what we need to do, what it needs to say on Facebook is they loosely connected to you because that's all they are. They're just loose connections. That's not a friend. You know, maintain those loose connections, but you need to recognize who your real friends are. And you, more than anything, need to become a real friend. That's why God said so much. And that's why when you go to the studies page, you're going to see scriptures for just about every one of these statements that I gave you today. Because the Word of God tells you, you need to be a good friend. You need to do, if you're a friend, you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll do this. That's why this is important, because God said that. But there's, a, there's another area in relationships, another relationship area that we just are absolutely pitiful at, okay? That's not all the time, and not everybody, but most in our culture are, and it's parenting. Parents and children, we are just... I, I, we just, we just, like in romance with parenting, we have lost our way in this culture, okay? What is the goal? 
I saw this. Have you seen this before? Have you seen this? You know, it's a meme on Facebook, but, uh, but this statement has been out there for a lot. Let's read it together. Your child's success, this, this is at, a, at an athletic uh, arena of some kind. Your child's success or lack of success in sports does not indicate what kind of parent you are. Stop right there. Just, just get that. If they can throw the ball or they can't throw the ball, if they can't catch it, if every time they try to catch it, it hits them in the nose. If they don't even know which end of the baseball bat to hold on to, that does not indicate what kind of parent you are. But having an athlete that is coachable, respectful, a great teammate, mentally tough, resilient, and tries their best is a direct reflection of your parenting. That's pretty good preaching right there. It's not about their success. It's about how they approach the opportunities that hit them in life. It's about how they bounce back. So, so let me give you what I think should be a Christian parent's goals. Okay, this, this is, this is the, the goals for Christian parents. To raise kids with moral integrity. Now, you know, I, I, if I were to poll every pastor or every Christian, I think they would all agree, yeah, that, that's really, really important. But I wonder how many of us have taken into consideration this is one of our main jobs as parents, is to make sure our kids have moral integrity. To raise kids with moral integrity who are self-disciplined. You know what self-discipline is? I, I, I equate it with maturity. You know, when someone comes from, moves from immaturity to maturity, I, I equate that with self-discipline. It is being able to say to yourself, no. You know, your parents say no, but self-discipline is when you start saying no more than your parents start saying no. It's when you, you roll out of bed and go to work when you want to sleep another hour. Or you go to work on a day that you really wanted to, because it's beautiful outside, and you'd really rather just play. Or it's paying the bill that you owe instead of going and buying another toy. Yeah, there's some adults still doing that kind of a thing. And that's what self-discipline is. It is maturity. It is, it is making the decision without somebody else having to make it for you. But number one, for Christian parents is, is that they raise kids that know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'll tell you this, if you're a Christian parent and you raise kids that do not know their Lord and Savior, what, then what have we accomplished? What have we accomplished? We have to raise them in that way. How, how in the world can we do this? Because you look around and you say, who's doing this, Pastor? Who's doing this? And in 30 plus years of ministry, about... You know, getting into upper 27, 20, I think 27 years, 26 years of pastoring, I've seen some parents get it right. And so let me tell you some of the things that I've gleaned watching parents get it right and raising kids. Here's, here's the things that we need. Now, now this one's got a lot of, a lot of little items underneath it, sub-items, but the very first one is see yourselves as co-disciplers. You parents need to see yourselves as working together, co-disciplers, that we are discipling our kids. You got to quit fighting over the discipline and you got to start doing the discipline together. And I don't mean discipline and spanking necessarily. I mean all the discipline. I mean the discipline and challenging them to make better decisions. Teach them to pray. Now, all, all this is on the Sunday's page, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but teach them to pray. Read the Word to them. Don't just buy them a Bible. Read the Word to them. Get a, if you've got small kids, even if they can't really understand the words yet, go buy a good Bible story book and read it to them while they're laying in their crib going to sleep at night. Read the Bible to them. Let them see the Word impact your life. They need to hear you make decisions based on, oh, remember that scripture that said, they need to hear you do that. 
You know, so don't do all, make all your decisions behind closed doors. Make some of them at the dinner table and talk about how, you know, we could do this or this, but you know, there's that scripture or, you know, I think God is really doing this in our family right now. So let's do this together. They need to hear that. They need to see that. Let them see you be a disciple. Let them see you. You know, some people say, man, pastor, if you hadn't preached on that, but it just told me by myself, you know, then I wouldn't feel so bad about going home and doing it this week because now my family's going to think I just did it because you told me and I wasn't sincere. No, they need to see you be a disciple. And being a disciple is hearing God tell you to do something and going to do it. So this week is your opportunity to hear this is something we need to do. And you go home and do it and your kid's going to say, wow, dad, you know, wow, mom, that's pretty cool that you're, they need to see you be a disciple. Uh, Spend time with them. As I said last week, quantity or quality, both. It's both. It, it, you you got to have quality uh, amount of time with your kids and you got to have quality time with your kids. If you are going to be their model, you cannot do it without spending time with them. Uh, give consistent discipline with a goal of teaching self-discipline. Consistent discipline. Now, now th- that means being the same. You know, that means not flying off the handle one time and grounding them for four months and then the next time saying, well, it wasn't too bad, just go on, do what you want. You know, being consistent. That's what's, it's more important that. It's more important the why. And the why is to teach them self-discipline. Help them see. You know, maybe you don't give them the punishment completely. I mean, once they're in their teen years, but you say, but you say, here's what you did wrong, and, and here's what we've got to correct. What do you think you need to do to, to correct? And instead of it being discipline from you, it's self-discipline. When they said, well, I, when they say, well, I think I need to so and so for just a little while and to back away from this. And that's what that's what the goal is, okay? And, and see yourselves. And if and if you're a single parent, you're having to do it all alone. And, and you know, if you're having to do it all alone, at the end of this service. I would really encourage you, come let one of the prayer team members pray with you that God helps you because your job is tougher than any other person's in here if you're a single parent because you have to do it all by yourself, okay? But see yourself as a discipler and if you're married, as, a, as co-disciplers. I gotta run through these real quick, okay? Uh, do not lose your marriage while parenting. Your kids need a family, okay? So don't lose your marriage while you're trying to be a parent, the, the kid is not more important than the marriage. I know it seems like it is a lot of times, but it isn't. Your marriage is important. Because if the kid is important, one of the first things they need is they need a great marriage. Because they need to see what a great marriage looks like because they're not seeing it out there. They're not seeing it in culture. They're not seeing it on the movie. They're not even seeing it on the Disney Channel anymore. They're not seeing it because, because parents are being belittled. They, they need this. They need to be able to see it in you. So don't lose your marriage while you're parenting and begin early. You, you, you know that scripture, you've heard it probably. Train up a child in the way he would go, he should go, and when he was old, he's not, not depart from it. Here's the truth that's behind that because we're, we're experiencing it right now with Colin. Colin uh, just turned five not too long ago and, and he started going to Royal Rangers. And, and when Dave and I were in Gatlinburg uh, just for a couple of nights back, Two weeks ago, right after, right after Valentine's, and, and we were picking him up a little something, and, and we decided to pick him up a little bag of black bear poop. Yeah, y'all seen that, right? It's just the candy, but it's called black bear poop, you know. And you pull it out, you know, and it's it's dark, you know, and so you know, it's kind of funny. We thought, oh, he'll he'll just die over this because you know he's starting to get in a little bit of the bathroom humor, you know, and loves the flatulence. That's the other word for the stuff. You know, my wife wouldn't want me to say up here. He, you know, loves talking about that kind of stuff, you know. So we thought this would be awesome. And so we kind of fooled him with it, but it, he's just kind of blown away with it. And then so, then, then we got to talking about, hey, why don't you fool, because uh, my, my son, his uncle was, was coming by. Why don't you fool him when he gets here? And he said, I'm not going to do that because we've been learning at Royal Rangers that we need to be honest. 
Now, John, you owe me for that one. That was, a, that was, a good, that was one of the best commercials I've done for Doral Rangers in a while. You may tell you why that's important. He's five years old. He does not have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of media and friends filling his mind and his heart with an attitude of other things. His spirit is so fresh right now, he is like a reed that can be bent to, to, to grow in the way he needs to grow at five years. That's why you need to begin early, and that's why the Word of God promises you if you begin early, if you wait till they're 10 or 12 years old, you're going to have a tough time. If you wait till they're 14 or 15, you've just about lost them. You've got to have a miracle. You've got to have a revival in your teenage. Not, not, not just, you're not going to be just tra training them anymore. You've got to have a revival. If you wait till they get 15, 16 years old, start as early as you can. That's why I said even if you've got just a baby in a crib, go buy you a Bible story book. I, 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 I told myself I wasn't going to preach all these points. I don't have time. But I am. Be cognizant. There are a lot of people, a lot of parents out there, they do not want to be involved. They don't even want to know what their kid... I, man, I'm trying to skip this, but I can't skip it. There is a lie out there that your kids deserve privacy. When they go to the bathroom, yes. Okay, once they get up to a certain age, you don't need to be going to the bathroom with your 14-year-old anymore, right? All right. They, they need to be able to do some things by themselves. But they do not need the privacy of they can go in their room, lock the door, and you are never allowed in there. You're not supposed to look. My wife can look at my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram. She can look at my, my search history, my wife. And I'm a 55-year-old man. And if, and if I need that accountability and to know, and she needs to be able to have trust in me to be able to do that, if we need that, then yeah, your kids need that too. That is a lie from the pits of hell that your kids need to have because you know what's happening in that privacy? You know what's happening in that privacy? Kids are being introduced to things at eight years old that I didn't see till I was 20, 25, 30 years old, and you too. That's what's happening in that privacy. That's a lie. Re-engage with your kids. Get back involved. It is okay for you to walk. It is okay. Listen, me and David, we've always felt, I'm paying the, I'm paying the rent, the, uh, uh, the mortgage. I'm paying the mortgage or the, or the rent on this room. So if there is, if there is a drawer in a, in, a, in a cabinet, in a bedroom of my kid that I am paying the rent for, if it is there, then... It is under my, not just that I have the right, I almost have the responsibility to make sure that something is not sneaking into, you know, if you had an open window there and then you knew somebody was crawling in that night, you'd be standing there, and a lot of you with a loaded weapon, you're waiting for somebody to come in, yet we allow, we allow computers and TVs and we allow smartphones without any restraint whatsoever and we've got, we've got all the windows open for everything that wants to, to crawl into our kids' lives and we do it under the guise of well they deserve privacy that's a lie they deserve they deserve a parent who is aware who is cognizant and who has engaged their life enough to say I am defending you against everything that wants to come against you I just made all all the libertarians upset about Tuesday right okay oh, libertarian google it later okay only do for a child what they can't do for themselves. If you keep doing stuff for your kid, you are going to teach them inadequacy. They don't know how to do it. Be consistent with all your children. That doesn't mean that they all have the same curfew. That doesn't mean that they all have the same chores. Think about why instead of what. Okay? Focus on why instead of what. Because if you focus on what, you try to make everything even with your kids, you are going to go through hell when they are teenagers. 
You don't make it even by the what. Make it even by the why. And reward choices instead of successes. Oh, I'd like to spend about two hours here. Because this world has really messed it up. We reward success. And you know what we do when we reward success? We teach them that they need to go get involved in a whole lot more stuff so they can have more successes so they can get more rewards. We Parents, reward choices. Reward choices. You know, we got a lot of talented people up here on this stage that uh, musically-wise. You know what? We got a bunch of them that don't ever get up on the stage either. And, and, and they're talented in doing what can be done right, but they have chosen to not do this because they've got... Can I tell you something? In, in the seven years that we've been a church, you know, just a few weeks, will be our seventh anniversary, there have been a lot of times that Jamie would call me on Saturday and we don't, we, we don't have a drummer tomorrow, especially those early years. Whew, early years. We don't have a bass player. You know, we don't, you know, and what are we going to do? We got to find, oh, there been so, there were so many times I said, I'll sit in and play the drums. Now, I'm not a great drummer. I'm not a great bass player. I'm not a great keyboardist, but I can get you by most times, okay? Not get, my big thing is I can not get in your way. I can kind of fill it up a little bit, not get in your way too much, right? Or even lead worship. Oh, yeah. Well, I learned my lesson. At Jamie's home church. I don't even know if Jamie is old enough to, I don't think she was in the choir at this time when that happened. And we had, we had a minister of music leave right after I got there. And I said, well, until we get a new minister of music, because I don't want to make a decision right now. I just got here. I'll step in and I'll be the worship, worship pastor. I'll lead the choir because I've done that before. Big, huge events. I've done that before. And I stepped back, I stepped back up there and I was lost. Wait a minute, do I go this way or do I go this way first? Or I mean, I was, I was lost. I'd forgotten and I realized I learned my lesson. There are things I do a whole lot better than this. Yes, I could do some of this. I love singing the parts with them, standing out here and just worshiping. But there are things I do that are more important. And if you keep rewarding your kids for successes, they will keep doing the things that aren't important to just try to get more trophies and to try to get more, uh, try to get more free ice creams because of the home run they hit or the goals that they scored or whatever. If you keep reward, stop rewarding successes and reward choices. Because when you make the right choice, when they make the right choice, that is a success. Reward the choice. Reward making good choices. And you know what will happen? Then when they become an adult, their pastor won't have to remind them that they need to talk to Jesus about their decision on voting on, on Tuesday because you've taught them to make good choices, not to just succeed that my candidate won, but make good choices. Um, I, 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 really, I really can't wrap this up without saying something real quick about media. Okay, I've got to talk about media because your friendships are a mess because of media. Your, 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 your homes, a lot of you, your relationship with your parents, kids is a mess because of media. Uh, there's, there's, Three quotes I've got up here for you. I'm going to read them real quick because I really want you to get this. The, a study from Baylor University said, it is ironic that cell phones, originally designed as a communication tool, may actually hinder rather than foster satisfying relationships among romantic partners. We know that too, don't we? We know that it gets in the way. But not just in romance, it gets in the way of parenting and children. It gets in, it gets in the way of our friends. A recent survey of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, lawyers that deal with Matrimony and divorce revealed that Facebook has been a major factor in one out of five U.S. divorces. Major factor, major factor, Facebook. I mean, that's almost enough for me to just declare we need to go to war against Facebook. I mean, you know, maybe we do. 
One out of 20% of divorces in the United States of America, according to the lawyers who are there listening to the arguing going on when they're trying to fill out the paperwork and trying to come to an agreement, they say Facebook is a major issue. Wow. Um, anybody ever been accused of being addicted to social media? Or don't, you don't have to raise your hands. It compels an individual to avoid deep, meaningful interaction with another flesh and blood human being and to replace it with impersonal stimuli. What does that sound like? Does that sound like social media addiction, Facebook addiction? You know what? I actually pulled that from an explanation of what a pornography addiction is. Having an addiction to media can be just as damaging to your relationships as an addiction to pornography because it pulls you away from a flesh and blood world to a place of interpersonal, uh, I'm sorry, not interpersonal, impersonal stimuli. So I challenge you this morning. I challenge you to a media fast. That's why I had to throw this in before we get to this, okay? I challenge everybody here to a media fast. And you know what fasting is? Fasting is putting aside food, like all food for a little while or a certain kind of food for a long time. All right, and, and there's a little bit of explanation right up there, and I got scripture here I really want to read to you. It's on the Sunday's page. We, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm hurrying because I, I've gone over my time. I actually went over my time because I, I did the voting thing a little, a little while ago, you know. But, 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 but hear this. This is what God is saying in Isaiah. He, he's saying, oh, let, me, let me just read it with you. I, this is adapted, 58, verse 6 through 9. God says, this is the kind of fasting that I want. I want, I want to free the imprisoned, lighten the burdens, free the oppressed, remove the chains, share your food, give shelter and clothes. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, here I, here, uh, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. That's the kind of fasting. So here's what he's saying. He said, don't, don't just not eat food. But when you don't eat food, take that $5 you were going to spend on a, you know, on a happy meal or whatever and, and, and go do something with it. Give it, give it to Jimmy Hale. And they'll, they'll feed two people off, or three people off that almost. You know, that, that time that you normally would spend going out to lunch, go volunteer somewhere. Go do something with that extra time, that extra $5 that you've got in the same way with a media fast. Don't just do without media, but do without media so you can reconnect to your families. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to whatever you want. I started to put a specific time on it, but I, I really want you to do that because, you know, that's really the mode I'm in right now is that you need to be thinking of this yourself. And so some of you, some of you, you are so addicted to something, whether it's Facebook or something else, you need to just shut it down for a week. You need to and just learn how much it is blowing your life and your time. You know, I, I mean, and I know, you know, I, I, I get all those requests to send you an egg or something. I don't know those, I don't know those games, but whatever, you know, give you an egg or something, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is you need from me, okay? But if you'll, if you'll meet me at Walmart, I'll buy you an egg or whatever it is, all right? I don't know. But some of us need to just shut it down for a while. For those of us who have families, may, maybe it's at six o'clock, media goes off. At, at every meal, it, there, there should be, it should be a media-free zone when, you're, when your family's together. It should, cell phones go off. You know, even, even, if it's, even if it's email, maybe some of you, I mean, there, there are times, I, 
my wife can tell you, I'm laying there in bed and you know, we're watching something right before we go to sleep or whatever, and, and, and that phone just droid, you know, droid, droid. Text after text after text. And, and you know what? Sometimes I have to respond to those because they're, because they are, uh, because they're business. Okay, but you know what? You could do without emails and texts that aren't business for a day. Do you know all the media that you get wrapped up in? Every bit of it is less than 100 years old. You know what that means? For thousands of years, people were getting by. And most of them were getting by a lot better than we are without media. I encourage you. Your kids, they need a curfew with media. You know, and if you've never done that before, just start it this week. Just try it out, see how it works. I challenge you to a media fast because our marriages are suffering. Our kids need to know their parents again. And because we don't really know what friends are, we think it's somebody that we connect with with those new emojis that Facebook has given us. That ain't it. We need a media fast. I challenge you to a media fast. If you go to the website, if you go to the Sundays page, you'll find a link there. If you go to the website and wait for that media fast slide to come up, click on it. It'll take you to a page that explains just a little bit more and gives you a couple of more ideas. And if you'd like more ideas, I'd love to talk to you about that. Because some of the movies that you watch, some of the friends that you're connected with, you really need to break. Would you join me at the front, if you will? Let me, uh, let me just say to first-time attenders, if it's your first time here, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer, and we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. And as you're moving this way, if you've got, if you've got uh, needs of prayer, needs of something in your life, then please, uh, please plan when we get here in just a few moments to come meet a prayer team member and let them pray with you over the needs. I know some who have already said that they need prayer at the end of the service. Good. Awesome. And, and Jamie told you a little bit ago. You heard me thank God for it in my prayer if you were listening. I mean, it's happening. People are getting their, their needs met because of prayer. He said he will do this. And last week I was told about a, a young man whose body was literally shutting down in the hospital. And 24 hours later, you know, prayer, our prayer team was praying. I don't know who else was praying, but I know our prayer team was praying. 24 hours later, I got a text that everything's turned around. Cysts aren't there. Uh, diabetes is not there. And they're sending him home today. Anybody need amazing like that? It ain't about this prayer team, it's about the God that this prayer team knows. We just wanna introduce you to him or we just wanna help you be in contact with him because he said, Jesus said in his word, we're to agree concerning anything, it shall be done of my Father in heaven. Last thing, I told you I was gonna to talk to you about three relationships. I was just gonna hit this one real close here at the end, God. I said in the, the first message of this real relationship series, if this relationship isn't right, if this most important one isn't right, then none of these can really be right. You want these to be better? Fix this one. You, you want, you know, I mean, e even, even if you're praying for healing, fix this relationship so you can let God come in, so you can let him show up. If you've got problems in your marriage, then fix this relationship so God can be in your marriage again. If we'll work on this one, a lot of these others will start working themselves out. You've still got some stuff to do, but a lot of these others work out. I wanted to tell you a story, and I ain't got time to tell you, but there was, there was this center woman, and the, the scripture's there, and if you go to the Sunday's page, you can click on the link. It'll take you right to it. You can read the story. The center woman. Now, who could that be? Any female in this room. 
If it said sinner man, it could be any male in this room because we're all sinners saved by grace. None of us are righteous in ourselves. It said a sinner woman came and started, and started crying at the feet of Jesus. She was in the home of this Pharisee and she cried and, and she cried so much that the tears just washed his feet and she began to dry his feet with her long hair. And the Pharisee, you know, he said, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know she's a sinner. Well, I guess that makes me a prophet because I know every one of you are sinners. It's just been saved by grace. Sins under the blood. And he said he'd know, he'd know that she was a sinner. And so Jesus, they talked a little bit about one thing, then Jesus finally gets to the crux of the issue and he says, he says, listen to me, buddy. I got here, you know, walking around in sandals all day, our feet are dirty, you know, it's common courtesy. Now I'm, I'm adding a little bit here so you understand. Common courtesy for you to give me some water to wash my feet. Jesus said, you didn't give me any water when I got here, but this woman has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a, a kiss on the neck or the cheek when I walked in the door. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since she got here. And, and, and you, didn't even, you didn't even give me maybe a little bit of oil, a little, you know, just to anoint my forehead, you know, because maybe I smell bad. You give me a little oil, I won't, smell, I won't offend everybody sitting around me or whatever. That's part of the reason they did some of this thing, you know, and, and sometimes also because of the sun and the things. But, but for, you, you didn't give me, but this woman has broken open a very expensive box of perfume that no doubt she had saved and saved and saved for. And she has poured it over my feet. So, so you tell me, you tell me who really, who really connected with Jesus that day. You see, if you want this thing to be right, the one that connects is not the one who looks righteous, the Pharisee, but the one who's just the real person, who's just real. I got real problems. I'm a real person with real problems. The mask, I don't even wear them anymore. I don't, I don't you know, if, I sometimes don't even want to go to meetings because I know if I go to that meeting, I got to wear a mask. I got to act like I'm somebody. I got to act like I'm something because I'm a pastor. I don't even want to go to that meeting anymore. I don't want to be there. I don't want to ever put the mask back on. We want to pray with you right where you are. Just admit to yourself, I got a need today. And let's fix this. Let's fix this. Let's, let's, and, I, and I don't mean necessarily that you've been in sin this past week, but let's fix this in that sometimes we let this go and we let it go and we let it go. We're not focusing. We're not thinking. So whatever needs you've got, if you're sick, if you've got financial needs, you need a job, you just need your relationships to be better. You're tired of having bad relationships at work or whatever. You're tired of working for that old boss. God save them or take them on home to be with you or something, you know, whatever it takes. Come on. I, 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 that, that's, a, that's a joke, but that's serious too. God can do amazing things if we'll let him. Bow with me. Bow with me. If you've got a need, please go ahead and move.